0: Hola and bienvenido to the One Small Bite show where we chop diet mentality, fuel your body and nourish your soul. In every episode, you'll get a One Small Bite approach you can implement to live a more nourished life. This show is for educational and informational purposes only, so please make sure to connect with the professional support you need your own discretion. Oh, and We don't bleep out curse words, so just a heads up in case you're with little ones. Okay, let's do this. Hola, welcome to the One Small Buy Podcast. I'm your host, David Orozco, registered dietitian, certified intuitive being counselor. I came across this article the other day titled Beyond Hunger, Understanding Food Noise. And I thought, oh, this is interesting, food noise. I wonder if it has something to do with intuitive eating or an article about weight inclusivity. So I popped it open and began reading it. When I started reading the first page of the report summary, my mouth just, boom, dropped wide open. Here's a quick summary of what the report had to say. They said that food noise is, and I quote, the constant intrusive thoughts about food that are disruptive to daily life and make healthful behaviors extremely difficult. The report goes on to say that, and I quote, food noise impacts more than half of individuals living with O and O. You folks know that I'm not going to say those words. And that their report provides a better understanding of the complex nature of O to help change harmful perceptions, and biases, end quote. They say that the cultural conversation around O is rooted in weight bias, stigma, and snap judgments, and that the rise of GLP-1 medications makes the conversation more charged. So at first glance, I thought the report sounded a bit confusing. I had to kind of read it a few times, because I was like, huh? Are they saying... That the weight bias or weight stigma is causing the food noise? Or is the conversation about weight leading to more food noise? And how is it that the rise of GLP-1 medications makes the conversation more charged? Do they mean that the GLP-1 medications make the conversations in these people's heads more charge, therefore, that's what they mean by food noise, or is it the conversation within social circles or in the media? I, I mean, I don't understand. See, this is what's confusing about this. So, what is it? Is it? I, it was <laughs> taking me back and forth, and then right there in the second paragraph, it states that this report was commissioned by guess who? WW. Um, weight Watchers, whatever they're calling themselves. So I thought, wait, this is a weight loss company. Huh. Now I'm curious as to how they're going to spin this. Okay, so what happened here was that Weight Watchers commissioned this organization called Stop O Alliance, which by the way, STOP stands for Strategies to Overcome and Prevent O. The Stop O Alliance is a nonprofit organization headquartered out of the Redstone Global Center for Prevention and Wellness at the Milken Institute School of Public Health at George Washington University. Geez, <laughs> <laughs> do these organizations and universities have to make their names so damn long? Holy cow. All right, anyway, let me keep going. Sorry. From their website, the Alliance's mission states that they want to reverse the O epidemic in the United States, conduct research, make policy recommendations, and develop hands-on tools for providers, advocacy groups, policymakers, and consumers. I don't see in there where it says companies, but I digress. So on the surface, this organization, their mission, and the work they're doing sounds pretty noble, right? I mean, who doesn't want to end an epidemic? Or is it an epidemic? Or even actually a problem to begin with? Some of you might be saying, yes, David, O is a problem or an epidemic. But let's be a little more curious. Look, I know you've heard me talk on this podcast what I stand for. So first and foremost, I don't believe in these O words. Again, that's why I'm not saying them. Again, I feel that just using those words is worse than cursing. What happens when we use those words is that we inadvertently make over two-thirds of the human population feel otherized, isolated, or diseased. I've talked about this in the past here, how the perception alone of a disease could lead people to develop complications, or if anything, feel negativity towards themselves. And okay, if if you don't believe that you can make yourself sick, then you can at least understand how adding more negativity about your body's shape or size can affect your mental health, thus affecting your physical health. I certainly don't think that they are separate or mutually exclusive. What I feel is very concerning here is how this report is actually gaslighting us. They are twisting concepts and ideas to make us feel crazy or doubt ourselves. Think about what I said a little while ago when I mentioned first reading the report. I was confused. I was doubting what weight bias and stigma was about. For example, they state in the report that food noise is a phenomenon that is well-documented by physicians and their patients. I thought, huh? It is? This is a phenomenon actually well-documented? Where? This is the first I've heard of it, and I've been practicing nutrition now for over 18 years. And aren't those charts and notes confidential? Where is the research on this, too? And and here's a thought. Did the people that developed the report actually get authorization from the patients to get these documents? Hmm. Who knows? But this is an example of what I mean from my last episode. Much of our personal data could be used without our consent, and we haven't a clue as to any of this going on in the background. Don't get me started on the lack of compensation, because Weight Watchers paid for this a lot of money. Anyway, I digress. Let me get back to the idea of constant rumination here. This statement infers that constant rumination and thinking about food only happens to people in large bodies. But uh, what about people in thin bodies or straight-sized? The report also states that food noise can be a significant roadblock to losing weight. Well, (laughs) food noise is something that can happen in thin or straight-sized people. Then why would it be a roadblock to losing weight? I don't think they have any weight to be losing to begin with. Hmm. But the irony here is that food noise is actually perpetuated by a culture of weight loss. Diet culture, in other words. I know, we don't think we do diets, but we actually have a lot of rules around food. Like the weight loss industry or weight loss culture. They have a vested interest in making you feel horrible for what you're putting in your mouth. If everything we put in our mouths is scrutinized by society, Then, if I'm in a large body, I cannot escape the noise that I'm not worthy, or I don't have willpower, or worse, something is physically and biologically wrong with me. Before I go any further, I think it's important to define what gaslighting is at this point. One of the best definitions of gaslighting I found comes from North Point Recovery, an adult mental health treatment center. Their definition is extremely fitting and so relative to this very discussion. Here's what they say, and I quote, Gaslighting is a psychological manipulation that causes people to lose their sense of identity, perception, and worth. End quote. Hear that, people? Let me go on. Gaslighting is a type of psychological abuse that aims to make victims feel crazy or appear insane by creating a surreal interpersonal environment. Gaslighting causes the victim to question themselves and feel neurotic hypersensitive, and out of control, this emotional abuse aims to make the target feel uncertain about what is true and what isn't. Now, here's the funny thing. I actually believe that the vast majority of people that gaslight probably don't even realize that they're doing it themselves. And here's the problem. When that happens, we get this uncomfortable, confusing feeling like there's something wrong with us. Hmm, I wonder if I could do a whole episode on the psychology behind this fascinating stuff. But hey, you know what? Let me, let me keep going back. I want to get back to something here that's important. You know that Oprah Winfrey owns 10% of Weight Watchers, right? So this report is coming from Weight Watchers, which, by the way, I have to remind you that They are a for profit company with a vested interest in making you believe you need their services. Now, don't get me wrong, there have been many, many benefits from what Weight Watchers has provided. The importance of eating balance and getting healthier foods and enjoying foods that help you feel better. Man, I am all for that 100%. In fact, we really have to see the actual true villain here. The true villain here isn't just the pharmaceutical companies, certainly not just Weight Watchers. We also have to bring in the food industry because, I mean, quite honestly, you're asking people to stop doing something that is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's abundant. I mean... In the United States, we are surrounded by access to food anywhere and everywhere. And you know what? The amazing thing is that the food industry knows how to keep those foods on the shelf for a very long time. So we have broken down the fabric of healthier food options in our environment through this behemoth of the food industry that is trying to make tons of money as well. We've missed out on small grocery stores in our neighborhood, locally sourced foods, bakers around the corner or around most corners, grocery stores that provide fresh meats, the butcher that gets their meats from a local farm, maybe 25, 50 miles away. We have also lost the ability to garden and to have fresh foods that we can work hard at. I think of my wife's grandmother. She had a farm and had seven kids and the whole family worked on the farm all the time. And they would have maybe a soda once a week, maybe once a month, or they would have beef uh, for dinner once a week. It was too expensive. And nowadays, I mean, we have access to beef in a bag. We have fake beef. We have who knows what other imitation kind of stuff that'll last for a good long time on a shelf somewhere. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy many of these foods. And then I, like many of us, strongly feel like I don't want to sacrifice some of these creature comforts that we have in life. Besides, I'm so busy. I'm, you know, got a full time job and practice and. My wor- my wife works full time and I have a daughter that goes to school. And so this is modern environment. I can't just grow everything that I'm going to eat in my little, you know, 800 foot square lot in my backyard. It's just not feasible, right? Okay. So I totally get that moving from the food industry that we're in right now to that ideal environment of the the leave-it-the-beaver with grocery stores and your local butcher and baker nearby are a little far fetched But I do think it's important to recognize that the weight concerns in our society are extremely complex. It isn't just about the biology that's going on in our minds. We can't be gaslit by thinking that It's going from blaming our psychology to blaming our biology because that's what they're gaslighting here. You know, even Oprah says it. Listen to her quote that she gave to an audience with a panel on her new series called The Life You Want. She said, I had the biggest aha along with many people in that audience. I realize I've been blaming myself all these years for being oh." And I have a predisposition that no amount of willpower is going to control. O is a disease. It's not about willpower. It's about the brain. The fact that there is a medically approved prescription for managing weight and staying healthier in my lifetime feels like a relief, like redemption, like a gift, and not something to hide behind and once again be ridiculed for. I'm absolutely done with the shaming from other people and particularly myself. Not sure if you see what's happening here. I feel really bad. Oprah is doubting herself. She is being fed the idea that this new supposed miracle drug is going to take away the stigma. That the problem with her weight is her brain. Well, her brain is her. So she is actually blaming herself again. Do you you see what gaslighting is doing here? And again, I don't really think that she recognizes this, but the desire to lose weight is extremely strong. Look, there hasn't been anyone more front and center in the limelight than Oprah. She has been in the news about her weight, her body shape and size. She's been in the public's eye her entire career. Now, much of that is being forced on her because society says that she has to look a certain way, because of this thin ideal, because of what a body shape and size is supposed to be. Men are no different from that. You don't find people bald with a little crooked teeth and a pot belly that are on TV shows or that are superstars or are Marvel comics. No. We, those kind of guys on TV, they they don't sell movies unless, of course, they're the villain or they're stupid or they get killed early or something like that. So this is a pressure that's been on Oprah her entire career, her entire life. And now she has to live with taking this drug for the rest of her life so that she doesn't have to feel that pressure, that weight stigma that society is giving her. So full circle here, folks. The, this supposed food noise that this report supposedly brings out is actually being perpetuated by the very same weight stigma, by the very same desire to lose weight, by the weight loss industry, by the diet culture and mentality that we have in our society that tells people that they are supposed to change, control their body. And if they don't, they are not worthy to be in our society. Man, this is tough. I mean, this is absolutely tough. Changing our perception of what weight is, is gotta be much better approach. And look, it's radical. I totally get how radical it is to move away from what a person's body is supposed to look like is very, very difficult in a culture where appearance says so much about people, but we don't recognize that it's so deeply rooted in our subconscious. Meaning that in this deep-rooted subconscious, everything that we're Eating is scrutinized by ourselves because our society is telling us, you can't eat this. You shouldn't eat that because you're going to gain weight and you're going to look uglier. Again, it's based on that society's idea of what a body shape and size is supposed to be. But what this report is trying to do is trying to make you think that it's biological that people in large bodies have a biological problem because something's wrong with the chemistry in their head. And the problem is that they're selling you a drug that's going to help stop this biological function. But in reality, at least in my perception, I have to question that. I wonder if it has something to do with Society telling us there's something wrong with this food, then now it's in our heads. And if we are predisposed not to feel worthy or to look for admiration or connection, belonging or power or looking for accomplishments, what ends up happening is that we end up actually reacting to these foods. And therefore, the noise in our head is an example of how we're relating to what society is telling us. This is what I've talked about extensively on my podcast when I talk about helping people build a more positive relationship to food. So what do we do instead? How do we manage food noise? Well, here's my way of helping us with this supposed food noise. First and foremost, it is so important to give yourself grace, to know that there's going to be a strong desire to want to lose weight in a society that perpetuates and pushes the idea of thinness or body strength and youthfulness above everything else. So give yourself grace, forgive yourself, or just recognize, be aware that the noises are there. And those noises aren't biological. Those noises are fed to us that then become a reactionary phenomenon, meaning that we react to what we think. Hence, the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the feelings that we end up getting, and then the reactions, how we react to those feelings. Give yourself grace. Know that You are worthy and enough in the body that you are in. And boy, I know that that is tough to swallow, but bear with me here. The next thing that I think is important is by recognizing that you are worthy or enough, you can accept that you can do something about your life, not your weight, meaning you want to live longer. Okay, we know that being active sleeping more, and eating healthier foods are definitely a way of giving you a little bit of a boost. There are many other things that are outside of your control that deal with longevity. And I'll talk about that in another podcast episode soon. For right now, I just want to say that you can focus on one area in your life that's going to help you move the needle a little bit longer. If it's improving your sleep, Maybe it's about having a meal once a day that has a considerable amount of vegetables. Or maybe choosing a day or two in the week where you actually don't have any red meat or any protein from an animal at all. Or maybe you start having a little bit more fiber in your diet. It could also mean that you might have the need for more water the food rumination or the food noise that this report supposedly perpetuates here is maybe because you haven't eaten much in the morning. I've talked about this in the podcast before, right? You wake up in the morning, maybe you're the type of person that just wants to grab a cup of coffee, you have little time and you're heading out the door and either you're in the habit now of not having breakfast. But if you pay attention to the fact that you might be snacking more at the end of the day, or your portions are larger. And by the end of the day, I don't mean just before a meal. It could be before a meal. It could be during a meal. It could be after a meal. If you pay attention to that, your body is trying to tell you something. And like I mentioned in my last episode, if we pay attention to our body, our bodies are going to tell us more than what any machine, especially some juggernaut weight loss company is going to tell us. Or drug, for that matter. Remember, if you go on one of these medications, you probably will have to stay on this medication for the rest of your life. Don't get me wrong, these medications, you know, I, I know they are helpful. And, and I'm trying hard to give them some sense of balance here. Because the abuse of these medications, unfortunately, is where the big problem lies. But but you know what? Let's, let's put that to the side. What I'm getting to more than anything else is that if you want to do this, it is your right. You can definitely do this. Just you got to know that you have to be on this medication for the rest of your life. We don't know what insurance is going to pay. We don't know how expensive these drugs are going to be long term. And so it's important for you to have the information so that you can make the informed decision. I'm certainly not going to gaslight you here. I'm not going to tell you that what you're thinking is wrong and then what I'm saying is right. But what I am asking is that you at least consider all options. You take into consideration what your body is needing and what it's telling you. And if it has to do with weight, is it coming from you or is it coming from what society is telling you? It's a hard, hard question to really contemplate and think about. You may immediately thought, yes, David, I know the answer to the question. Yes, I do need to lose weight. But I'm asking, you know, let's be curious. Let's keep an open mind. Because I have a lot of people that I work with that are in large bodies that don't have chronic illnesses, that can live a healthy life, that are active, that are enjoying life, just as much as I know people that are in straight or thin-sized bodies that are the complete opposite. They may be depressed, anxious all the time, deal with mental health issues, have diabetes even though they're in a thin body, have high blood pressure, sleep problems, sleep apnea. What I'm saying here, folks, is be curious. Don't react to everything that we hear. Let's take it in. Let's do a little bit of research. Let's pay attention to other points of view. And you make that informed decision. All right, folks, I hope this has helped you. I hope this will bring you some stability and some fulfillment in life. Because again, this is one of the ways that you will then build a nourished life. One small approach. I'd love for you to go and rate and review this episode wherever you listen to your podcast. I also would appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. When you hit that subscribe button, these episodes get automatically downloaded to your device so you don't ever miss them. And then share this with a friend or a family member that you think will also benefit from hearing this. Okay, folks, thanks again for listening in. I appreciate your time. And remember, chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Till next time, ciao.